0: Welcome to a bonus episode of I Saw What You Did. My name is Millie DeCherico. I'm Danielle Henderson. And uh, yeah, we're doing another bonus for you. Thanks to all of you um, Stitcher Premium subscribers. We really appreciate um, you subscribing to the bonus. We have a lot of fun during them. Yeah, because we don't have to plan anything. We we could,
1: but we don't. We don't.
0: We've, we're too much like <laughs> type A personalities like... Ninety nine point nine percent of the time that when we have a bonus, we're like, yeah, let's just take our bras off. Let's fucking get loose. No research, baby. The wheels are off. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe what if we don't even
1: talk about movies? We could just go. We could just go,
0: Um, which I'm not opposed to, but I, I will say this. We do have a little bit of a plan. So, OK, to recap the past bonus episode so far, the past I don't know, three or four that we've done have been about like one of us talking about a single movie. Right. Yes, Which is fun. It's like a fun task to like go super hard on one film. Um, But we decided this episode we wanted to talk about um, movies that we've watched over and over again. So kind of like comfort films. Right. Yeah, I
1: think that that fits. And I'm going to kind of that list is so long for me and so i'm kind of i'm going to narrow it down to movies i've watched over and over again in quarantine.
0: Oh, perfect.
1: And during the pandemic. Yeah. Cuz during the pandemic i definitely wanted some comfort movies during lockdowns. Yeah. And um, you know, the pandemic's still out there, still happening folks, but uh some
0: say it's getting worse in a different way. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Pandemic Two electric boogaloo that's
1: right. is awful. <laughs> so it's got
0: some of the original stars coming back for the sequel. Um, but oh God. yeah, I totally understand. I, I, I think that's a good angle to take. I think when I came to the table with this, I was like, okay. Um, one of them is definitely something that I watch in a specific place. Ooh. um and then the other two are literally just and i and i also want to say too that like i'm the type of person that watches movies over and over again generally like i watch Same. movies more than once um but these are movies i think at least for me i don't want to speak for you entirely that are movies that anytime they're on television or they're like you know playing at the fucking wherever the furniture store or whatever, if it's on a television <laughs> somewhere, I'm like sitting in front of it and I'm watching it. And I won't say it's necessarily because I'm obsessed with it and love it. And it, it sometimes it's not that sometimes it's literally just yeah. like, Oh, I'm just watching a movie over and over again because I, I don't know why I'm compelled to do it. You know what I mean?
1: Right. No, I think that fits with me too. Like, I think there's, it's not always like, um, like oh I have to see this again I'm in the mood for it I want to watch it right now sometimes it's just like you said it's it's less about what I'm infusing into the movie and what more about what the movie is giving me in that moment so like you said if it's on tv or if it's on you know if I just turn it on it's sometimes because I just need that something in that film is like some connection I need in the moment
0: yeah like like a lot of it for me too is wanting to be in the the mood or the time and place of the film because i mean i think i honestly think that all three of my choices today are period pieces which i think is interesting so it's sort of like oh well maybe i just want to live in that time frame or i just want to be in that environment um but again like it's not always like I'm obsessed with these films and I just can't get enough of them. Sometimes it is, but a lot of times right. it's just something else. Um, but I think it's interesting that you've kind of taken yours and made it specific to quarantine. Cause that's just a whole other environment for somebody to watch movies in because of, yeah. you know, needing a comfort or needing something. So I'm excited to talk about it. I can't wait to know what yours are. I know. Well, do you want do you want to kick us off? Sure. So um we're gonna pick three apiece. And we're just gonna, I mean, we did this like with the action movies episode where we just kind of, you know, went back yeah. and forth. But um, so my first one is gonna be a <laughs> fucking shocker, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> McGruber, Prince of Tides. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, no, mine is okay. My first one is gonna be a little bit of a shocker and and i'll have to explain why maybe but some the first film of mine of 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 a movie that i watch over and over again is forrest gump now you wouldn't believe it if i told you but i can run like the wind blows who in the hell is that and there's forrest gump coach
1: oh you definitely
0: have to talk about why <laughs> <laughs> okay now I can't tell you how many times I've seen Forrest Gump. Like, <laughs> I really fucking can't. And it, and I honestly th- I don't think I saw it in the movie theater. I really don't think I did. Cause when did it come out? 94? 95? It was a we 94 were in high school, for sure. I knew it. It felt like a ninety-four. <laughs> um, and I and I wouldn't have fucking watched Forrest Gump in ninety-four. I was by that time I was smoking <laughs> cigarettes and like doing acid and shit i would i would have not wanted to watch forrest (laughs) gump because it was basically like going to watch like a popular fucking tom hanks movie right but subsequently i have seen forrest gump like maybe 40 times 30 to 40 times and it's always been on television that tracks and (laughs) They always play it around the fucking holidays, but then they also play it like all the time, just in general. And for some fucking reason, I just keep watching it. And I really don't know why. I think it's because it's so, to me, it feels like a fucking train wreck. And I, and I, we talk a lot about Tom Hanks on this podcast normally. And, you know, we've talked about him hot. We've talked about him. (laughs) Falling into a volcano. So it's like, you know, we've and we've talked about him being a neighbor because we well, how many times have we talked about Tom Hanks? Like four or four? Yeah, like four, four or times. four. four, four times. <laughs> well, we're talking about him again. I I this movie, oh my God, it's so fucked up to me. Like I'm just like, this is a fucked up movie. Nobody <laughs> understands that but me.
1: Um, I love that you're watching a fucked up movie over and over again <laughs> that you think is a train wreck. You're like one of these times I'm going to watch it. And I'm going to pinpoint exactly why this movie is a train wreck.
0: It's like a boomer movie, basically. It's like yeah. oh, check out like all the greatest you know hit- historical hits. You know, where it's like Watergate and fucking you know. Uh, Vietnam and like somehow Forrest Gump has touched every moment and that's what makes him fucking epic is that he's like he's right. a simple man that somehow infused himself in every single important event in history and he just did so because he like walked into the walked into the scene.
1: I think that's what gets me about that movie yeah. though, too like I that's why I don't watch it over and over again because I'm like. The hubris of white men. You could drop them in any time, in any situation, any fucking decade, and they'll just be like, cool, I, I, I can do whatever I want here at any moment in time. So this motherfucker just like, yeah, so I stumbled upon Watergate. So what? And they make it seem like so jolly and like, you know, just a, a very light um, and comical way that he kind of bumbles his way through life. Yes. Um but I, but it bothers me for some reason. I think it's it's I'm too racially charged when I watch that movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, he fumbles and bumbles himself into a Black Panther party meeting, which I'm just like, and that is the scene to me that is the most fucked up. Like there's many fucked up parts of this movie, but the scene where he like goes into the Black Panther party scene where he is like. Jenny is 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 dating this like um, kind of activist, revolutionary white guy who somehow is affiliated with Black Panthers. And when Forrest goes to the Black Panthers meeting, um, you know, they're basically like telling him that he's not welcome there which i was like yes he's not (laughs) um but that scene happens very quickly and it also felt like it was sort of just added later or something like that it doesn't feel like super inherent to the storyline it almost just feels like a way of saying like oh well we got to check off this historical event so let's just throw him in the fucking black panther house and he basically watches as the the white activist guy like hits jenny and they get into a fight and it's just that whole like scene where he's like sorry i ruined your black panther party i'm like this is fucking bullshit i'm like put a fucking stupid joke in this scene where i just was like why is this happening why is Boris gump here this is fucked up you know and it's also like this <laughs> This is what I mean. Like this movie's too
1: racially charged for me. Unin- unintentionally. Yes. Forrest Gump is a very racially charged movie. It's racially for, for charged.
0: It's it's again, it's sort of like it's trying to present itself as this like fucking, you know, super, you know, like boomer memories flick. But right. it is so fucking weird. And just the Jenny character is super weird. Obviously, like so much trauma that I can't believe that she's so fucking cavalier about Forrest Gump in so many parts of this movie (laughs) and ultimately dies of HIV or something. We still, that still wasn't clear. Right. And I just was like, why is everybody acting as if this movie is like the little mermaid or something? It's like, not, (laughs) it's like actually really fucked up. So I think that based on that point alone is why I just watch it all the time. And so when every time it comes on TV, it's sort of like Hallmark Channel presents Forrest Gump all weekend long, and I'm like, why are we watching this fucked up movie? But anyway, so that's that's why I can't stop watching it. I just
1: yeah, can't. I mean that makes sense to me. That completely tracks for me because I think I, for some reason I always have a habit when the movie's on TV. I always have a habit of coming in on it at the part where he starts running back and forth across the country. Ah! And I'm just like, or like he like invents (laughs) or when he invents the bumper sticker.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. So outrageous.
1: And I'm just like, and I keep watching because I'm like, they really did this shit. They really put this in a movie.
0: Okay. Let's think about the logic of this. He was supposed to have created the have a nice day T-shirt simply because a man gave him a blank white T-shirt to wipe his face after he had been covered in mud and somehow wiping his face presented the shirt, you know, as a perfect smiley face like I'm which, like oh, come on that's where that came from is for I'm supposed to believe that Forrest Gump created the have a nice day t-shirt with a smiley face on it that he created shit happens he created, yeah. shit happens he created shit happens he created shit
1: happens which is like insulting first of all if you're like oh I looked at your dumb fucking featureless face and decided to make a t-shirt out of it is what that means to me like look at these fucking eyes like piss holes in the snow and your dumb grin but then also <laughs> it's like it's like it's it's just so it's it's the point where they take that trope too far, like that that point in the movie where they're like, he's done everything and he doesn't even realize it. Yes. And I'm like this. Someone needs to give this man some money like he has invented too much shit based on you on this movie for him to be running across the fucking country barefoot and poor. Like this is not the uplifting story you think it is. It's a story of how capitalism fucks people again and again.
0: Yeah, exactly. He's had such an extraordinary life that he has had his hand in pretty much everything that ever was created and doesn't know it. And instead <laughs> just lives on a farm in Alabama with his son, his dead wife's son, his dead girlfriend's son. And I'm just sort of like, wow, this is this movie is fucking crazy. And I can't stop watching it every time it comes on. I, you know, I told my friend Brett. So my friend Brett um does. The Museum of Home Video in Los Angeles, yeah. you know, Brett and Jenny do that amazing. I don't know if you guys have watched it, but they do this thing called the Museum of Home Video, which is basically like kind of like an, an online showcase or library of like all this, like ephemera from television and movies. And they do an amazing job. But my friend Brett, um, you know, would do these, um, nights in LA where it was kind of these, like these nights where people could come up and come to the stage and sort of present this thing that they have this like insane knowledge about, or this insane passion about. And it was kind of like about movies or television or entertainment. And I kept telling him, I want to do like a one woman show about Forrest Gump. Like I want to (laughs) iron out all the thoughts I've ever had about Forrest Gump out there and he was like bring it and then covid happened and then it just went Uh, away but i was like i still want to do that one day so
1: yeah you're gonna do it you have to you have to and i also i love that um i think this is one of those movies that people watch again and again and maybe this is the case with you because it's they can't help it because it's just always around and on and there are very few movies like that anymore where they, they show them with any regularity. But every time it reminds me of... Um, do you remember when uh, radio DJs used to put on American Pie when they needed to go take a shit? Oh, yeah. Because it's like a 10-minute a, a dookie jam,
0: as we used to call it back <laughs> a in the day. jam. That's what this movie is. I'm like, I
1: feel like when networks are like... We don't fucking know what to program. We've got 10 hours to fill. Put on Forrest Gump four times in a row.
0: Oh, God. No, t- no kidding. It's got to be. It's like what? Two and a half, almost three hours. I don't even know the runtime of it. But yeah, if you need to fill up some space in a programming day, put a fucking Dookie Jam like Forrest Gump.
1: <laughs> Forrest Gump, ultimate Dookie Jam. Yeah.
0: Well, I want to know about one of your movies now, now that I've revealed this yeah. horrible information about myself. I love this information. And if if we
1: don't get this one woman show off the ground by the by December, we're not going into 2022 without this Forrest Gump one woman show, (laughs) even if it has to be 10 episodes of this
0: podcast. We're doing it. We're doing it. Thank you. I appreciate that.
1: I think this and this I'm going to start with this one because it was really strange to me that I kept watching it over and over again during the pandemic and quarantine. It's Magnolia by Paul Thomas Anderson
0: people need a little
1: help. Sometimes people need to be forgiven. Ooh! And it's a movie that I love. Like, I love the movie in general. Mm -hmm. Like, I've seen it a few times, you know, and now I've definitely seen it several times. Mm -hmm. But there was a distinct day. I don't know what I was feeling. I don't know what I was going through. It was like, I don't know, like, maybe November, December. So, like, right in the middle of, like, we don't fucking know. You're going to be inside all year. I watched this movie three times in a row. Whoa. Like sat on my couch, had lunch and dinner and watched this movie pretty much for an entire afternoon, an entire day. And I don't know what it is. There's so many parts of this movie that I love. And I think that um, this is not also not only the <laughs> this is not the only Paul Thomas Anderson movie on my list. Yeah. So maybe I'm going some, through something with him this year. I don't know. Um, but I watched it, and I love... I think this is one of Tom Cruise's best roles ever. Wow. I'm riveted. But every time I watched it in quarantine... Like, one day I watched it three times, but I think I probably watched it, like, seven more times in the past year. Um, and I pick up on different things every time. It's like... Like, I recently re- rewatched Breaking Bad from start to finish, and every time I rewatched Breaking Bad, I pick up on something different. And this time, when I watched it, I kept thinking about... Every moment that Jesse could have avoided his his future, like what was coming to him, Mm -hmm. there were so many moments where he could have just been like, I'm out and not had all the horrible shit that happened to him happen. And I think that's kind of why I watched this movie. Maybe I I watched it over and over again this year because I kept thinking to myself, like, is there a code that can be cracked that will free us from this hell? And of course, the answer is no. (laughs) Because it's not like a medical movie or anything. Of course, the answer is no. But I just kept watching it and I would pick up on different things. I still don't know what the fuck that whole rap about the worm is about. It's been like 20 fucking years. I can't figure that shit mm-hmm. out. But I kept focusing on different characters each time. So I think there was one one of the times when I watched where I was just kind of riveted by the John C. Riley character of the cop. I was watching this because and it was less about what he did as a job. It was less about him being a cop and more about... Who that like the weirdness of that guy in the world, like someone who's so uncomfortable and so kind of emotionally fraught being in a position of power is so weird to watch. But then also like watching him meet his emotional match was just so it just kind of hit me during one of these watches how weird it is. Um, And then all the quiz show shit and like just the. William H. Macy character and the, you know, Little Man Tate quiz show character. (laughs) Like, I don't know why, but I watched it over and over again. And I think part of the reason I probably watched it over and over again, too, is that they give you so many stories in that movie. Yeah. So... You know, you can zone out during one one story if you've you've seen it from start to finish and then kind of pick up and be like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. But there's so many characters and so many stories. And I think that in the midst of my loneliness, I just wanted more people in my eyeballs.
0: I was just going to say that. Like, I was like, it seems kind of interesting that you would gravitate towards a movie That had that sort of plot set up of like the different people and the different stories, especially during quarantine, because, yeah, you weren't seeing anybody and, you know, you were living alone. And I would definitely understand you wanting to sort of like get into that mindset of like, oh, well, now I can pay attention to a bunch of other people's lives and it feels like I'm sort of like. Not by myself or whatever. Oh, completely. I I think that's great. I mean, I I haven't seen this movie in a very long time. This like I have to basically remind myself to watch it because I'm just like, I want to go back to it. When I first saw it, I think I was so keyed up from like the Boogie Nights experience that I was like. Oh, that's not like this. It's that whole typical like fucking bullshit of like you really liking one movie. I mean, I think I talked about this with Quentin Tarantino where it was like seeing one his big hit and then the next movie comes out and you're just sort of like, what is this? It's not like the thing that I really love, which is unfortunate because I think that's not a good way to go about things but it's like (laughs) i didn't watch my i watched magnolia and was sort of like what is this this is like serious this isn't about porn stars and then there's the frogs thing which i didn't get because i don't i don't know much about the bible despite growing up catholic i don't know much about the bible and i was like what the (laughs) fuck is going on and then that was it. And then I haven't watched it since then. And I have to remind myself, go back and watch Magnolia because I'm sure you have a completely different take on it now. So. Oh, I I
1: guarantee you we'll have a different take on it now. And we should let's put let's we'll build a theme around Magnolia. We'll put it in the show. So you have to rewatch. Oh, it.
0: Oh, that's a good idea.
1: Yeah, actually. Because I would love to know what you think about it now.
0: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's completely it will be completely new to me. It'll be like Dante's peak. It was almost like I never saw it before. Ah! But I'm a. i am I like that you think that this is Tom Cruise's best role because I think that people do say that. But you know, um, well,
1: and for me, it's it's his best role because I feel like it's one of the only roles where I feel I feel like I'm not looking at Tom Cruise. Yes, every Tom Cruise movie, I'm like, that's Tom Cruise, that's Tom Cruise. Like I can't suspend reality enough to believe what he's doing as anything other than that's who he is as a person. And this is a role that I think really stretched him, especially, my God, I, cr- I also cried my eyes out watching this movie with that scene with him and Jason Robards. Yeah. Where he is just at the side of the bed and he's kind of like holding his hands together and trying to hold back tears, but he can't. I just feel like that is epically good acting from him. Yeah. And that scene is so evocative to me. You know, this dying man on his, you know, on his, this guy on his deathbed and his estranged son. It just hit me for some reason during the pandemic. And I'm like, yep, let's get into this. I don't want to focus on the fact that I can't go outside. Let me focus on this fucked up family. And Julianne Moore is incredible in that movie, like incredible in that movie. So yeah, just a lot of a lot of meaty stuff to dig into if you just want to spend a day thinking about something other than your own misery and loneliness.
0: Uh, well, Lord knows that parent stuff is really... I've gotten way more emotional about parent stuff in movies. Yeah. Now that I'm older, yeah. when I was in my 20s, I could care less about that kind of shit. I would be like, "Oh, how boring!" But now no, I'm like, die. "I don't know. Life is hard. It's we're all getting older. You know." So I'm, I suspect it's going to hit me way differently. Oh, I cannot wait to build a show around that movie just to hear what you think. No, that's a good excuse. I, I definitely, yeah, we should definitely do that idea.
1: Well, what's your next movie that you could watch again and again and again?
0: Okay, well, I will say this. I think we might have the same movie. I'm not going to say I'm not going to say it definitively. We might. It's by the same director as the movie you just talked about. Oh, it might be. And it's a movie that I watch in a very specific circumstance. Ooh, which is Phantom Thread. Yes, that's my second movie. Okay, also by Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> ah, ah. My
1: brother can feel cursed; that love is
0: doomed for him. I don't like the fabric. Maybe one day you'll change your taste. Maybe I like my own. I think. I think. Yes, we must want to like live in the Paul Thomas Anderson universe because, uh, you know, this is the we've just talked about his movie, and now we're talking about another one of his movies. But here's the thing about Phantom Thread, so. When it came out, I was there fucking opening night. Like, I think I saw it at the Vista, maybe. I saw it somewhere in L.A. And me and my friend David, we basically were like, we got to buy tickets like fucking two months in advance and just go see this shit. Even though I don't think you can buy advanced tickets at the Vista. But anyway, it was like thing where we were like planning on it forever. So we saw it and then I saw it like three more times in the next week. Like I saw it at the arc light twice. Yep. So the Vista two times at the arc light. And I want to say, I saw it again. I saw it twice at the arc light when it came out. Yeah. I was so excited by it. I mean, again, another movie where the world that it's in is so attractive. Like, mm-hmm. and it's also a time. It's kind of like when, when Downton Abbey came out, you know, initially and it became a sensation. It's because they were it's like a time period of Down Abbey that they didn't like you haven't really seen that era much Mm -hmm. in popular television and movies. Right. And I say the same thing about Phantom Thread, like a lot of movies and TV sort of focus on. Like late fifties and especially the sixties, that sort of like Mad Men, like late fifties, early sixties era. I feel like Phantom Thread takes place in the early fifties, which is sort of like a totally different time and place than the late fifties, right? It's kind of like, you know, the beginning of the decade feels like the decade before, and then the end of the decade feels like something different, maybe the next one, right? So there was that, and then just this idea of of living amongst these like fashion designers and England and it was like cozy and proper and glamorous. And I just love that. I love like sitting in that world with like the house and the clothes and the tea and the shit, everything, right?
1: I think that is why I also gravitated towards it a lot this year is that it is a movie that instantly transports me to a d- another place. Yes. Like I just, I just wanted to dissociate this year basically. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so exactly. Like, it instantly transports you to another place. And there's something so beautiful about that time, like you said, where they would do the fashion show in the house and like watching women walk through these rooms and these gorgeous dresses. And as someone who used to, I wanted to study fashion design. I did study fashion design for a year and, um, you know, make my own clothes and I'm just interested in that craft. It was really cool to see all the moments of like picking out fabric and making the patterns and trying on the dresses and doing all the fittings. Like it was such a particular world and I loved it. And I also think that I love, I loved watching this movie again and again and again, because Daniel Day-Lewis is such a bitch in this movie. Oh my
0: God. He is such a fucking
1: like singular character in this movie. I've never seen a man be such a bitch yes. in a movie before. And I fucking love it.
0: Well, and this is again, like the, the, so there's so many different reasons why I like imprinted on this film, besides the fact that it's the time and place. This is a movie that I saw. I would always watch on a plane. So that was kind Ooh. of like when at the beginning of this episode, when I talked about seeing a movie in a specific place, I've seen this on a plane like three or four times. Nice. So I've seen it like three or four times in the public sphere in the in the (laughs) theater, but then I've seen it on a plane uh, and every time I see it like in the lineup um, for something, you know, like if you're on Delta or whatever, I'm like, fuck, yeah, this is my comfort thing on a plane. I'm watching phantom thread but the the whole idea of what the story is about and i know certain people have different takes on it or whatever my my thing about what's going on in this story and this is just sort of maybe informed by my own experiences with (laughs) guys like fucking woodcock okay i will say that maybe i have been romantically involved with people that seem very much like him but I also think it's a a, um, a type of person that needed to be examined which is this like yeah. fussy bitchy artsy guy right the
1: bitchy side of passion
0: oh yeah and that he is allowed to have all of his little tics and all of his little quirks. And he's allowed to be antisocial and fucking demanding and fucking precise and do all this stuff because he's this kind of creative genius, right? And don't disturb the genius, right? We have to, we can't put him in a bad mood because if he's, if he doesn't have his breakfast right, then he can't fucking design shit for the rest of the day or whatever. And the whole day is fucked, right? And you're just sort of like- <sighs> In what world are we allowing a motherfucker to act like this? And he starts, you know, becoming romantically involved with this woman, right? Whom all of the women that have come before her have capitulated to his bullshit. Right. So they're all like, Oh my God. Like I just can't, I just have to let him be. And I'm just wallpaper until he gets rid of me. And then uh, there's no reason why he gets rid of me. He just, I'm just so lucky to be in his life. Yes. And I must've done something wrong, like buttered my toast too loud or some shit. And that's why he doesn't (laughs) love me anymore. But then this woman comes along who is calling him out on all of his fucking bullshit. And it is wonderful to see. Like, I'm just so like, good. I love any time she is basically like, you're fucking ridiculous.
1: Absolutely. Because she's his muse, too. So I love that. I love that that she takes what is previously presented as a very precious place to be in his life and in this world. As his muse, she should be like so grateful and so quiet and just, again, appreciate the fact that he's paying any attention to her. And she's like, I'm sorry, I have a whole ass life and I don't play like this. So she's like, I'm happy to be your muse, but I'm also a goddamn human being. And I love that she takes the focus away from him having to be so precious about his art. In order to like she kind of brings him over into her into real life in a way like she takes him out of his reverie and brings him into real life just by being herself and being very stoic about what she'll put up with.
0: Right. And it's it's because she's empowered that creates the whole it's kind of like they're in a Cold War. Right. Like. They're the only people that like understand each other specifically and more so that she is like, Oh, I'm not just going to sit here and let, I'm not just going to be your muse until you want to get rid of me. Right. Right. I have power over you, which is that I can poison your fucking ass anytime I want. I know mushrooms, bitch. I know how to make a fucking omelet and Just know that
1: I know how to use the woods against you. I
0: am fucking foraging poisonous fucking mushrooms for your stupid ass. So act right. But that he is like enjoying. Yes. The the idea that she can have power over him. Like he sort of like is enthralled by stepping out of his own bullshit To be like, well, I am a little bitch and I want to get treated like shit sometimes. And you know what? Like, I'm going to let her because it feels good. And I'm like, that is fucking crazy. Like (laughs) she cracked the fucking
1: code. It's great. It's a it's a dynamic relationship. I love watching those two on screen together. It is like. It's, some, it's something that is so beautiful and can transport you to a different time. But then the story, it's like the visual of it is, is part of the reason I think I watch it over and over again. But also the story, it just never gets old watching someone take a shift in their life that is dangerous but necessary.
0: Yes, it's probably the most interesting movie about a romantic relationship that I've ever seen in my life. I honestly think that like there's a lot of movies where, you know, you really get into the weeds with like a a certain relationship or, you know, whatever. But this one really is like next level shit. And I love it for that so much because it feels like so fresh. It feels like I've never seen anything like this before. Um, Yes. And you know, it's like you come for the fashion and you come for the time period and you come for the acting. I mean, like let's get serious. Daniel Day Lewis's method acting bullshit is so great. I'm just like, it's so
1: awesome. Most it's of hilarious. the time, I think
0: that stupid shit is indulgent and ridiculous, but like, I love DDL acting like a fucking weirdo on set. Like, I'm just sort of like, good. He had to, he learned how to sew for this movie. Yes.
1: He fucking like apprenticed with the Metropolitan Opera for this movie. And I'm like, he's the only one who can get away with it. He is the only actor who in my mind can get away with that, where he's like, I'm going to be a haberdasher so I can learn how to make a fucking hat. And the movie might shoot in two months, but I'm going to spend three years of my life learning how to make a hat.
0: He's like... I'm, I'm a person that like would would love that indulgence of my own. I'd like, be like, you know what? I just want to learn a trade. And yes. it, it's like I want to do this simply so I can just be this character in this movie that I'm going to be in in like three months. I would love to do something like that.
1: Oh, completely. There's all like that that fucking hilarious picture of him dressed like Lincoln, but eating <laughs> at like a modern restaurant. Like the fucking balls of this dude. I love it. Like Lincoln's going to go to Sonic and be like, treat me like Abe Lincoln. Like it's, it's hilarious to
0: me. Oh my God. I, you know who else is almost as good, if not better sometimes than him in this movie is Leslie Manville. Like,
1: oh, completely.
0: Again, another woman in his orbit that fucking shuts his shit down when it's necessary. I mean, That's what I love about this film is that it's like I mean, a lot of people see it as sort of a like, you know, uh, a kind of horror film almost where it's like, (laughs) you know, people like it's a woman poisoning a man. And I'm like, no, 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 this is like women who are putting this shit in check. And it's it's the kind of thing where like his life wouldn't exist without women. And right. You know, and that's kind of like her character is that basically she like keeps she's like the trains running on time she's the one that's like the metronome for him in their lives and i'm just sort of like good like she's great she has such a great look and a great demeanor oh she is the best
1: she says things that are so cutting and she says them so casually and it is beautiful to watch yeah. and i do and i like that too from that period piece point of view where it's like you know women only had a certain number of spaces and ways that they could exert any power and she took this and fucking ran with it and she's like yeah you might be the designer and like the look of the house of woodcock i am literally everything else and don't you fucking forget it
0: exactly oh God, I love this movie. In fact, I want to watch it today. Like, after we record this episode, I'm like, I want to go watch Japan Thread. I haven't seen it in, like, eight months, so I guess it's time. Oh,
1: God. Also, one of my favorite things during quarantine was to watch the movie, and then I would feed Carrot while I was, like, listening to the soundtrack, because I'm like, yeah, we're, like, in an abusive relationship, my, my cat and I. <laughs> so, I would, like, feed him and then play the play the soundtrack and be like, you never know. I got to slip a mushroom in there.
0: Dude. I ate mushroom omelets with butter for like uh, a month. Like I ate it every, almost every afternoon for a month because of this movie. I was basically like, I can't get enough of these. Like when they take, she takes the butter and it's like sizzling in the pan. Uh, I'm just like, Oh with the God, I gotta herbs. have an omelet. Ugh,
1: the fresh herbs threw me over the edge. I'm like, I can't, I have to have one. They threw me over the edge. It's so simple yeah. and so delicious looking. Oh, uh, I just, I had to do, had to do it. Had to chop some chives. Uh,
0: yeah, I am so glad that we're on the same page for this movie. I'm just thrilled to know we we both picked it.
1: <laughs> over and over and over again. Yeah. So many times I watched this movie this year. So many times.
0: Oh my God, so good. Do you have
1: another one though? Yeah, my last pick is, is it'll make you laugh. It's a weird one. Because <laughs> And I don't I'm going to work through the why of it while we're talking, because I don't know why I watched it so much. Oh, I'm excited. The third movie that I watched over and over again in quarantine was Dr. Sleep.
0: you magic. Like me. I don't know
1: about magic. I always called it The Shining.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Which is, which is the sequel to The Shining. And. I don't know if it's just because I had HBO at my disposal. (laughs) But Ewan McGregor plays an adult Danny Torrance. Mm. And he meets another kid who has the shine. And they go on this like epic fucking journey together that ends at the Overlook Hotel. And I think it's a great movie in terms of how sequels go. Like it's enough time has passed. You get to see a different you know, a very different approach to what this character was in The Shining, which is like, this is a traumatized kid who becomes a traumatized adult. Uh-huh. And so that was interesting to me. I think Ewan McGregor acted his ass off in this movie. And it's just, it's again, it's a very long movie. And it's so, it's compellingly horrific. Like, it's not a horror movie in the traditional sense of, like, just constantly showing gore. It's like, there's, it's an emotionally horrific movie. hmm and for some reason, I just needed to see it 10 times over the last year.
0: Well, and so what is, I actually never saw it. So what, what did Stephen King think about it? Like what had there, do you know, like the history about it? Had they ever no. talked about doing a sequel or.
1: I don't know the history of it. I don't know if Stephen King was involved in it. Hmm. I don't know if he liked it or not. I just know that I watched it a ton. <laughs> <laughs> like I probably shouldn't look that shit up as like a citizen of, you know, a person who, who does a movie podcast. No, <laughs> I should take an interest in it. But I think that it's I don't know, even um, I kind of like and I don't know if this is true. Like, I don't truly don't know if Stephen King had any involvement with the script or anything, but I kind of liked that it didn't. Like, I kind of like seeing someone else's perspective on that world, because I think when you're someone who creates those characters, it's so hard to remove yourself from them. And so I like that somebody else was able to come in and be like, no, this guy would be fucked the fuck up. It wouldn't just end with like his dad died in the snow and he was fine. Right. So I love
0: that. I love that. Well, and so often, I mean, it's just sort of the thought experiment that you have after you watch a movie, like a horror movie. It's like, what happens to the people after this, like, horrific thing? And, you know, it is something that I think about sometimes. It's like, well, we we joked about this when we talked about Dante's Peak, about, like, what would happen to those (laughs) kids, like, after Like they've survived a volcano and watched their grandma die. And would they be in therapy (gasps) for the rest of their lives? Would would they have blacked out from all of the volcanic ash? And oh, yeah, they would be dead of smoke inhalation for sure. Yeah. But it is an interesting thing to think, Okay, Danny Torrance, who's this like incredible character, like such an icon in horror and sort of like what happens to him as an adult? Right. What happens when, like, you know, does he continue to have this talent? Does he, you know, talk about his father? Is his mother still around? Like, yeah, it's just that thing of like what would happen to this character that we all loved when we watched the original.
1: And the shock of just like how fucked up it gets for him. As, as the world progresses around him. And then the, the little kid that he finds that has the shine is this actress named Kylie Curran. Um, and she plays uh, Abra Stone. And I think the other thing that I really fucking loved about this movie, and why part of the reason why I watched it over and over again, is that she's black and she was like a weird little fucking black kid who would like do her shine tricks at birthday parties. And all the kids were freaked out. And she was a little weird, like a little nerd weirdo mm-hmm. and Again, there's definitely some fear there and some trauma and some shit happens to her, um, which makes you think, again, that like her story could continue and we could see, you know, 20 years, a story about her, about Abra. But I think that um, Mike Flanagan, who wrote and directed this, I think that it was smart to choose someone who was so different from Danny in so many ways because it brings you into the story in a very modern way. But I loved her. I loved I, I. I love a little black girl magic that's actually magical. And I always love a little weird black girl in a movie. And it was great.
0: Well, and that's the interesting component, too, to The Shining, which the original movie. I mean, a lot has been written about that Scatman Crothers character in the sense that, like, you know, he he had the shine. Right. And he was the one that sort of told Danny about his own talent and his own. Exactly. You know, I think now, like, if you take that concept And you say, oh, well, here's this other little girl who has the talent, but then you can go so far with her story now. Whereas like in the movie, in The Shining, I mean, spoiler alert, he fucking dies. Okay, which sucks. (laughs) But like in in this new realm of possibilities. Yeah, she has a magic. She has the magic. She has that talent. But she could also be this whole other component to the story. You know, where she doesn't have to die and she doesn't have to be this like one sided character. She can be really textured and interesting. And so I think it's great. That's such a great idea to be able to like prolong the sort of mythology of The Shining with this. Little girl. Completely.
1: Yeah. And they show her family and like her mom and dad. And I, I have to say, like when I first saw her on screen, I'm like, they're going to do some bullshit and say she's like Scatman Carruthers' granddaughter or something yeah, to tie yeah. it back to the only fucking black person in the movie. But they didn't. Yeah. They didn't. And I, like, pre- I appreciated that so much more.
0: <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, at a certain point, you know how it is now these days where every you know, intellectual property has like many, many branches and many, many sequels and potential storylines and they develop their own IP. But in this case, I think this could be an interesting way to do it. Right. Like I'm like, yeah, I want to know more about her and sort of what this whole shining is, like what it is and where it came from. So I will have to watch it. You
1: have to watch it. Phantom Thread doctor sleep double feature will come up with a theme (laughs)
0: but but there is it's it's
1: just it's very it's an interesting movie in so many levels it's a great story like it's very easy to get sucked into the story and like you were saying before like i there is definitely a trope like a movie trope that exists called the magical negro and you're you know thinking of things like the legend of bagger vance or whatever where it's like this black person just shows up to like mystically help a white person and then they disappear right either by death or by magic and so I just really I don't know I think that's why I kind of locked into the story a little more too is that her mysticism was rooted in something that matched the emotional horror of the film and I loved it
0: oh I can't wait to see it now uh every every time it pops up on is it on Netflix or is it on it was on HBO Max HBO I think Max.
1: it might be on Netflix now okay. I just bought it yeah <laughs> Like, the third time I wanted to watch it, it was off HBO. And I'm like, well, I'm buying it.
0: (laughs) Well, honestly, I've seen The Shining so much because of that Shining class I took in grad school that I have to... I have to watch the sequel. It doesn't... I have to wrap it up. You know what I mean? Watch it today. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good choice. Thank
1: you. What's your last choice?
0: Oh, mine... This is so stupid. Like, this is just a stupid <laughs> thing. Like, if you know me, of course I'm gonna say this, but my last movie is Dirty Dancing. She thought it would be just another summer vacation. Who's that? Oh, them. They're the dance people. But it turns out to be the time of her life. Watch me now! Ah! <laughs> it's just so dumb. I've seen this movie like so many fucking times that I will never stop and I will never apologize. It's this, it's a movie that I swear to God. I just, I will love forever. I watch it like all the time. That's another movie like Forrest Gump. That's just always on fucking TV. I'm always going to watch it literally every time it comes on. I will go to conventions about it. I will fucking (laughs) do whatever it takes i you know i've never done cosplay in my entire life but if there is a chance for me to do that i will fucking do it like it's the one movie that i'm just all in on unapologetically and i can't help it
1: i kind of love this because i gotta say on the flip side dirty dancing is a movie that i hope i never have to watch again And I don't know what like it came out when I was in 5th grade. Yeah. I completely missed the abortion storyline. Like I liked the dancing. It was fine. I think society wore me down when it came to dirty dancing.
0: Oh, it was complete overkill. I'm not, I'm Yeah, I'm free to admit that. Like it was a phenomenon that was so deeply corny when it came out <laughs> that there's people out there that will curse the fucking name every time it's uttered. Because it was that kind of thing, too, where like when Dirty Dancing came out, it was sort of like a dance craze, even though there isn't a dance move to Dirty Dancing. It's literally just put your dick around somebody's vagina or ass, and that's the dance.
1: Because nobody's lifting up their partner, that's
0: for fucking sure, yeah, it was just literally grinding. That's what dirty dancing is is grinding on people, yeah. and but the the way that the culture received it, it was like, check out this new dance craze where people are just like rubbing boners on people
1: like that scene where they're all dancing um, where she goes to Johnny's cabin or whatever and wherever wherever it is that they're dancing like him (laughs) and his friends yeah and they're all just like sweaty and grinding like this is what we do when we're not at work we just grind and sweat and I'm just like okay that's existed (laughs) since
0: fucking the beginning of time dude right which on its own conceptually is fine right it's like okay yeah. here's a movie where like okay it's the early 60s and you know everybody's real uptight but then there's like this you know this group of people that like to fucking get loose and it loosens up the fucking whatever moral majority or whatever the fuck the movie's about <laughs> But the, the phenomenon it created in the 80s when it came out was that like, oh, now people's moms were going to the rec center in the neighborhood and, and trying out some dirty dancing with the gals and shit. And I'm just like, this is fucking ridiculous. This is not a dance move. It's just and it's it sucks because it's not that the movie is bad. It's that culture ruined the movie for me. Right. And it was the kind of thing where it's like on the Today Show, we've got like some dirty dancers who are here to teach us a little bit more about, you know, this dance craze. And I'm like, it's not a fucking dance craze. It's just people feeling emotional while dancing it's called dry humping look it up yes i mean like the it's not even the lumbata which is essentially the latin version of dirt you know it's just sort of like that thing where you're just sort of like oh my god people are so stupid and they need dance crazes in their lives um you know like to feel to feel real or something but it's that thing where in spite of all that corniness I fucking love it. And I but I understand you why you would hate it, is what I'm saying. I understand. But also it
1: makes sense to me why you would like it and watch it over and over and over again because you love dance. And there is so much dance in this movie. Like they're chock full of dancing in this movie.
0: It's it's dancing, it's the time period again, it's Patrick Swayze, not gonna lie. Um, I needed an older man in my life at that era. <laughs> Who wasn't a ghost who was not a ghost, but was sort of like he's the older boyfriend that we all wanted. And it was just sort of like, again, it's just this idea of like, you know, the fish out of water, like poor versus rich, like the whole like, you know, uh, uh, opposing sides of the tracks. I I talked about this when we talked about D.B. Sweeney. I just love a stupid fucking story like that. And I'm (laughs) obsessed with going to camp. And like having camp romances and shit. I mean, it all is. It just crystallizes all of my fucking deep interests and passions yes. are in one film.
1: You love a river dancing over a river. <laughs> like, you love a creek. You love the woods.
0: I love it when, you know, um, Republican guys or like libertarian guys <laughs> um, are busted at the end for perpetuating crimes against women.
1: So it's all great. This movie has everything. This movie truly has it is not at all surprising to me that this is one of your like over like rewatches over and over again at all.
0: It's pure comfort, pure fucking comfort. And again, like I I can't I just love it. It's like I can't even imagine. A world where I wouldn't be all in on dirty dancing. <laughs> I just I'm not too cool for dirty dancing. I love it so much. Um That's so sweet. Yeah. But I that's it for me. Me too. And this I love that we had an
1: overlap. Whenever we do a list yes. of movies and we have an overlap, it just warms my heart. Me too. Um but yeah, I also am glad that we're we're at least through the last year. I don't know what the fuck's gonna happen in the next year, but we're at least through the last one. And should it come down to it, and we're stuck inside again. I'm watching these movies back to back. These are my quarantine movies.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to do like a part two, three, four and five because there's yeah. all these other movies, too, that I watch over and over again and maybe for different reasons than the ones that we had today. But like, honestly, just these three alone. will oh, hook, like if there is another fucking pandemic, which knock on wood won't happen. <laughs> but if there is, I mean, at least we've got these three and we can watch them at forever and ever and ever wouldn't get yeah old, so
1: i could do a list of movies i watch over and over again when i'm sick when i have a cold like movies i watch over and over again when it's too hot to move <laughs> yeah. let's do it there's a lot let's there's do lot. it again
0: um but thanks everybody this
1: week, so fun thank you so much for listening thank you for being here check us out on our main feed
0: please and uh, tell your friends uh to subscribe to the stitcher premium um it kicks us over a couple of bucks and we really really appreciate that obviously and we appreciate the support and let us know if there's something that you really want to hear about or really want to you know us to discuss or whatever just email us at i saw what you did pot at gmail and um yeah that's it i guess until next time bye-bye bye
1: This has been an Exactly Right production. Our producer is Alexis Amorosi, our engineer is Annalise Nelson, our theme songs by Tom Bryfogle. artwork by Garrett Ross, our executive producers are Georgia Hardstark, Karen Kilgareth, and Danielle Kramer. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at I Saw Pod, email us at I Saw What You Did Pod at Gmail, and please don't forget to listen, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen.